What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Bread to Build podcast, a project dedicated to sharing the stories of the people who build and those who help move construction forward. If you like what we're doing and you want to support us on the journey, all we ask is you hit that little subscribe button, drop us an awesome review. It's immensely helpful. My name is Brett Gowen. I'm the founder of Hammer, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Pinella. We have another Matt today, so this is going to be confusing as fuck, but we're going to make the best of it. What's going on, everyone? It's Matt Pinella. Welcome back to another episode. Let's get into it. If you hear me reference wood, it's for Matt Bangs Wood since uh, we got other Matt on the podcast today. Uh, today, we have Matt Stanley joining us. He's a uh, foreman at the family-run American Pavement Asphalt Business. And uh, I'm going to say the mastermind behind uh, the growing brand Raison Blacktop, which I absolutely admire everything you guys are doing over there. Matt, welcome to the show, man. Sweet. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited. Uh long time coming so i'm glad i could connect with you guys and let's do it we're glad to have a good one how old are you before we get going i turned 30 in october oh yeah oh you gotta go crazy for the next couple months while you're still in your 20s i'm already 30 (laughs) (laughs) i'm already 30 i've been working (laughs) my back feels like i just turned 30 yeah oh it's awesome yeah um Matt, last time we chatted on the phone, you said something that really stuck with me. I have not been able to get out of my head. I was just telling you before we started recording. Um, you know, I, I kind of asked you, like, what what was the vision behind, like, the, the business, Raised on Blacktop, everything. And the, one of the things that you mentioned is that you guys wanted to lead example of what a family-run business could look like in this industry uh, with that 100-year legacy. I have not been able to get that in my head the last time we chatted, and I definitely want to lean into that because everything that you guys are doing today, your your long-term game approach with building the brand um, for American Pavement, Raise on Blacktop, but also this very unique approach that you guys take around really bringing the community together. You're you're doing something that's so much greater than yourselves, and I and I think that's awesome, and I, and I really admire that. Thank you. Um, so I, I'm pumped to unpack everything today. Uh, I think for the podcast, we're going to jump into the founding story of American Pavement, the family business, uh, your personal story growing up in the family business and probably starting work at age three. And then uh, we're going to get into the vision and the story around Raison Blacktop. So let's get into it. Um, first, Matt, tell us a little bit more about, j- just set the stage for everybody listening today, a little bit more about and the, the work that you guys do. And then uh, let's jump into the founding story behind uh, American Pavement and the family business. Okay, cool. So I uh, just want to put this out here before we start. I am one of four boys in the business. My mother and father run the business, so I do not run American Pavement. Um, I'm, a, I'm a part of the company. I'm a big part of it, but I am not the head on show in charge. Um, so American Pavement in 2023, we are primarily a paving and milling company. Uh, we do paving, milling, uh, reclamation, and um, that's pretty much it. Um, we are, I'd say we're a mid-sized company. Uh, we do a lot of work, but we're lean and mean in the fact that uh, we probably have about 20 guys. So typically we're running maybe two, three crews at a time. And um, yeah, we do a lot of parking lots, 
We do a ton of municipality work, which is like city streets, town roads. Mm-hmm. Um, don't pave many highways in our area because of how union it is. We're not, we're a private company. And um, yeah, uh, my oldest brother, Billy, owns his own residential company. He's very successful at it. And then my two older brothers, Jack and Josh, work beside me. Um, and mom and dad are the boss. My dad runs the day-to-day operations and my mom runs the office. So when, when was this company started? Sorry. Yeah. The company was started in 1993 officially. Okay. So it's actually our 30 year anniversary. That's, that's awesome. wild. Yeah. Yeah. Three decades. Yeah. Yeah. So what, if you don't mind me asking, what, what got your dad into it? Okay. Yeah. So, um, my grandfather, um, passed away maybe in 2020 about three years ago uh, he got in the business probably in the 40s and started his own business in 1957. Uh, my grandpa was born in rhode island and came from absolutely nothing very poor he died at a young age his mom was always sick so uh, when i say humble beginnings my grandfather is like the definition of it so that still like bleeds through us today uh, my grandfather started paving officially in 1957 and um, we call it anything for a buck. So he was doing small patch jobs, anything he could get his hands on. Uh, built his business. And my dad, my uncle, uh, worked for them their whole lives. And when my dad was probably 29, 30 years old, um, he made the tough decision to break off and start his own business. And that was in 1993. So with the help of my mother, um, they started it. They had three boys at home. I was just born at the time. Uh, my dad tells a story that he, this is a cool story, um, not to be long-winded, but uh, my dad, it was the winter off-season, and my dad broke his back, went to the doctors and said, you're never going to be able to do construction again. Oh, wow. And at that time, my dad was like, I'm going to go on my own. I'm starting my own business. And my dad was on the ground with a broken back, and my mom came home and said, I'm pregnant, which is me. Um, so, like, I get chills when I tell that story because- Wow. Uh, the cards were definitely stacked up against them, but God willing, they figured it out. That is uh whatever it takes mentality. Yeah. Yeah. Man. So that's what it was that two, three generations in the family bloodline? So technically, technically it's three generations. Yeah. We're the yeah. Gen- yep. That's amazing. Did you, did you know that you go for it, Matt? Or what? when your when your dad branched out in '93, was your grandfather a part of the company at all during like any of this? I mean, obviously so my, he was in his older years, but did he help out? Yeah, my grandfather gave him. Uh, I think they gave him like a uh, piece of shit back, though, or something. I hear in like uh, a one ton that my dad says like technically he bought, but like they were a small business, so it was like, you know. It wasn't really like breaking off and starting a new division. Um, so when my dad broke off, he was completely on his own. Yeah, but but what I'm saying is like, was your grandfather involved with that company at all? Like, did did he like even work with you guys? No, no. I'm sure when my dad like first got started, if he got a big job, they'd team up and do it together. Oh, uh, cool though. Or, like, officially, no. My dad was totally on his own. Okay. Mm-hmm. So out of out of the four boys, where 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 do you stack? So, so out of the four boys. I'm the youngest. Okay. So I'm years old. I'll just go right up the totem pole. I'm 30 years old. Uh, my brother Josh will be 33 next month. Uh, my brother Jack is 36, and then my oldest brother Billy is 38. And Billy's the one who uh, broke off and started his own residential company here in in our local town. 
Okay. Nice. All about three years apart. That's good. Yeah, crazy, right? <laughs> I want to go a, a little bit more into your story, man. Uh, did you, I mean, three generations in, I mean, sometimes, uh, you know, the family members break off or they don't want to keep going down the family tree, but obviously you're involved heavily with American Pavement. Did you know that you always wanted to do this? Was it kind of pushed on you or like, give us the, the little bit of, uh, of your personal story of, you know, joining the family business and like, was this something that you really knew that you wanted to dedicate your life to? Um, yeah. So I say this all the time, but, um, much like other family businesses as so as soon as we can go with dad and we didn't have to wear a diaper, um, best believe we went to work. So mm. then four or five years old, mind you, we're riding with dad, we're working a little bit, hopping the truck. Um, but yeah, I don't, I couldn't tell you the first, when I first started working, um, it was definitely, you know, as, as soon as we can go with dad, we went with dad. And speaking for myself, being the youngest of four boys, I thought it was cool to go to work. Okay, so that's where my ambition comes from. I, I got to go be around grown men. And my dad, even at a young age, he treated us like men, right? Um, didn't let us just fuck around on the job or be playing in a, a creek on the job. Like, he gave us all little tasks to do. Um, So I think that's where you know, my, my work ethic came from because I, I just wanted to be with my older brothers and, yeah. that, and it happened to be that that was at work and I got to make money. Um, so, you know, worked all my life basically, but as I've said before, sports was a huge part of our childhood, you know, mm -hmm. four boys, all we did was play outside. It wasn't just work, work, work. It wasn't like my dad said, you know, you're not playing baseball with somebody you're coming to work. We, we played basketball, football, baseball. And, uh, you know, our summers were straight baseball, you know, up until I was 13 years old. Um, so, you know, my dad coached us. We talked a lot, a little bit about this before. Um, my dad coached us growing up. Don't know how he did it. Um, but he made that sacrifice. He'd show up to practice in jeans on work boots and a black top all over his shirt. And I'll never forget like the first practices. My, my teammates were looking at me like, that's your dad. <laughs> You know, like what do you know about yep. like he just took that business mindset to any sporting event that that he coached and uh, you know treated the kids like men, took no bullshit. But when it came to the games, he would like, you know, when when the lights turned on, he was the cool coach. But at practice, he was a hard ass, and that's kind of how we run our business. Yeah, that's kind of exactly how I, I can relate a lot to your story. Like, and there's a couple things that you mentioned. One like just seeing the machines and wanting to go work with your older brother and everything. That's exactly what I wanted to do with my dad. He was a drywall subcontractor. And so like, I always wanted to go sweep the job site or, or do whatever, uh, to make some money and just work with dad. But also my, my grandfather was a logger and equipment operator. So anytime that I could like ride in the grader, this was like the fucking coolest thing ever. Like, how can you operate these big machines? Uh, and I just thought it was absolutely fascinating. No, well, um, is that um, I have nephews and nieces now that are anywhere from two to eight years old, and specifically my nephew James, he's maybe three years old, and he loves the equipment like any of his yeah, uh, and like you know I'm looking at him and like I don't remember, obviously you don't remember when you're three years old, but I don't remember loving equipment like he did. I think I more so just like liked being with my big brothers and mm -hmm. being able to go out and work and, and make money. And like, I thought that was cool. And I'm sure I did love the equipment, but like 
seeing the next generation, I'm like, that kid might be something for that. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that for you, Matt. Do you, do you have kids, or do you plan on having kids? I plan on having kids. I don't have any kids right now. Okay, I'm single. Yeah, and the guy, keep it. it. When you do, are you planning on fourth generation, bringing them into it? Yeah. So, um, fast forward a little bit with everything I have going on, raised on blacktop right now. Um, say raised on blacktop is a huge brand, right? Like yeah. one day, which that's my plan. I still want my kids to do blacktop. Yeah. So, you know, that it is it is the best foundation for a kid and just you learn what real hard work is at a young age, right? You learn um just being around other men how to um sounds crazy, but it, you learn how to behave yourself around grown ups. Yeah. And then you also learn how to earn respect from your elders. That's awesome. Great foundation. I I a hundred percent agree with you, Matt. Like all of my probably work ethic came from working the early days with my dad and grandfather, even if it was smaller tasks, all of those little experiences compounding into your, your teenage years and everything like that was the most fundamental part of like early development. I think a lot of more, more people should get exposure to that. Like bring the kid to the job site, show them, give them little tasks, give them broom for God's sakes, or it's like a small shovel, whatever it is. But like all of that matters over time. Uh, it, it it does a lot for you. It teaches you to respect as well. I remember my, my kids when they were young, they'd come out to the job site and see like the equipment running. They'd see beams flying and they'd see all this shit. And they, they realize like, oh shit, dad, dad works really hard for everything that we have. Yeah, it teaches you a whole level of respect that most kids like my, my dad does IT work. Like you don't even know what the heck he does. And there's yeah. a lot of people out there that can't even explain like what their parent does for a living. So that, that's the cool part about the trades. Um, I don't mean to hold this up, but Matt, that's a great point because um, you're, you said your dad grew up in construction as well. Absolutely. Third generation as well. Matt did too. So when my dad first started his company, right? I mean, he, he always put food on the table and being an owner operator, right? Like, yeah, you'll have a nice truck. Yeah, you'll take a nice vacation. But growing up, um, you know, my friends thought we were rich, but that we weren't rich. My dad just did well for himself. Yeah. He was able to buy nice things for us. But of course you weren't spoiled. Um, but that also like puts a foundation in your head in your head at a young age that like when you see your dad coming home at eight thirty at night covered in grease, you're like like, Wow. You know, yeah. that that's what hard work is. Um everything we have around here is earned. And you know, 10 year old 12 year old they don't really think like that but i did no. yeah you you understand that sacrifice right exactly i i can remember uh an exact experience like i i, I thought it was again like I, I mentioned my grandfather but there were there was times where like i admired him like seeing like diesel and grease all over him after he was like working on the equipment and i would go in and like you know bring like wrenches to him when he needed them and whatever and and I flashlight and get yelled at. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Or like go grab the wrong fucking tool every time, and then never wanted to come back until I get the right one. No, but there were specifically times where like even my dad. So my dad was a drywall subcontractor, so obviously you can see drywall mud after a long day, like you're just covered in it. Uh, but even with my grandfather, I remember like I would go in and like I wanted my pants to be dirty like his. Like I would see the grease thing, and so I'd like go find the oil and like rub them on my pants. 
So then my parents like like would have to give me like the shitty jeans because I would like always just be rubbing oil into them. <laughs> and I was like, I'm like, Grandpa, this is awesome. <laughs> I did the same exact thing, bro. You grow in and be like, Mom, look at me, you know? Yeah. So now every time when I go back and I visit my grandparents, I, I go into the shop because it smells like like diesel and just machinery. And that's what hard work to me smells like. So anytime like I feel like complacent or lazy, like I just try to remember, it sounds weird, but I try to remember that set of hard work. And then it initially just flips the switch and it's like, all right, got to do it for uh, the grandfather and the fodder. Love rubbing it all over you still. <laughs> yeah. I need some new cologne, man. Where's that diesel stuff? So um, grow, growing up in this industry, it sounds like this has been like, it's, it's been your life. Did you ever feel like you missed out on like typical childhood experiences? Like, did were you working through summers? Did you hang out with friends still? What was that like? Yeah, so uh, up until I was 12 years old, it was like we'd work on the job. Um, it still wasn't a normal childhood. You know, we, we'd go with dad till one o'clock and then have like a six o'clock travel baseball game and get picked up. Mm. Have blacktop on my hands. 11 years old going. That's good grip. That's good grip. It is good grip. <laughs> I thought I was badass, but, um, yeah, I'd say, you know, 13 years old when I started working real 50, 60 hour weeks during the summer. Um, and then fast forward to, you know, I always say years 17, 18, 19, 20, that's where I really, um, you know, made a jump, took real sacrifices, missed out on real opportunities, but I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't put in the work those years, you know, over the summer, um, for example, there's a lake in Danbury, right? Um, 20 years old. My friends are on the lake on a Thursday. 10 girls on the boat. Of course, I wanted to be there, but it was like I wouldn't even dare ask my 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 dad to take off. And I didn't want to take off either because I felt like I was, you know, I was 19, 20 years old. I felt like I was like leaving my guys out and stranded. You know, that's not normal for a 19-year-old to think like that. Mm-hmm. That's kind of, you know, that was the way I was brought up. So I'm I'm curious then you mentioned that 18, 19, 20 year old age. Um, was that I I think we can relate a lot there. Was that the age where you finally clicked and realized like I need to start taking this shit serious? Like this is this is the future? Is that what you're saying? Or um when, when did that click where you were like, This is what I'm gonna do for the rest of my life? Like I need to to hone this shit in. That's a tough question because I mean we were raised on blacktop, but like it sounds crazy, bro, but like 13, 14 years old, I knew like I can make a good living doing this, you know? That's awesome. We can tons of money. Um, but sorry, say that question again, though, when I was 19, you know, I would say when I was 18, 19 years old, that's when I knew that like I was really creating a distance between me and my friends. I got you. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And I remember like going, they like venting to my mom and be like, um, you know, some of these kids are going to have more money than me one day. And that's not fair because. I'm missing out on a lot. And she's like, Maddie, stop fucking thinking like that. Um, you're creating so much space between you and your peers that like you're when you're 25 and you're done with school and all that, you're going to be up here when these guys are going to be just starting out. So, um, yeah, that was always in the back of my head. I, I constantly remind myself too, because like, especially when you kind of go out for your purpose or you need to start building a company or whatever it is or, or investing into the family business, it can feel like you're taking like, well, you kind of are some, some of these massive sacrifices, missing out on some of these experiences. Like even, I mean, I felt this a lot, like when starting a company, like everybody else was doing like 
quote unquote cool shit or whatever other, you know, at the time, 25 year old, I'm 30 now, but I felt like I was missing out on so many things. But what I constantly kept reminding myself is like, this is the slingshot opportunity. Right. You got to go what I guess maybe society thinks is backwards for you to go 10 steps forward. But in all reality, I knew that that was going to ultimately be the catapult. So it, it sounds like that was kind of your, where mom stepped in and she, you know, really had that perspective shift for you. Yeah. yeah it was like, stop feeling bad for yourself, man, you know? And yeah. Um, one more thing too, like, we don't say this to deter kids from being entrepreneurs or being in construction. Like I still went out, I still did my thing, but like, it was like, you know, I went out Saturday night cause we didn't work Sunday and like, that was it kind of, you know, I went out mm-hmm. Friday night, but you know, you'd be responsible cause you gotta be at work in the morning and yeah. just like having responsibilities kept me in line, kept me out of trouble. You know, you, you also can't compare yourself to other people. Comparison is the deep of joy. You never know what people started with. You never know how they got to where they're at. I, I saw somebody post on social recently something about how they've never had a handout and that's they built this from the bottom. But it's like, you know what? I I come from third generation as well as you, Matt. I am beyond proud of the people before me that have worked their ass off to give me this foundation to build off of. Like, just because I had that, no matter what that looked like, you can't take away from the fact that I'm still in this the same as you are, whether you started at the bottom or not. So go for it. Yeah, I don't want to like hold your questions up. Dude, like, no, go, man. Extremely passionate about that. That the fact that um, I think it's harder for someone in the third generation to do that. You're filling the shoes. You're filling the shoes. Um, you know, you don't want to rustle any feathers. Um, and then you got the outside of noise that you've been handed everything, right? Oh, yeah. You look at what Brecht talked about a hundred year company. That does not happen in one generation. Scientifically, it can't happen. Mm-hmm doesn't happen without generation to generation of well-rounded uh, family members that are like-minded. No, it, it, it's not easy. And that, that's the other thing too, is people think that everything, like you buy a new truck, oh, daddy's money must be nice. Yeah, man. You've gotten that a lot, Matt. That's been like, the, the, it, it's been, I'm probably, it's probably been that way for both of us. Yeah. Sorry, this is confusing with Matt's on the podcast. I'm saying uh, hood from now on. Thank you. No, I'm sure you, you've gotten it a lot. I still get it to this day. At what age does that stop? I don't know if it ever stops, bro. I don't know if it ever stops. Uh, you know what's funny is that you can't dig too deep into the comments on IG, right? But like... I have a shovel most days. You can. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, you know, if I'm, in, if I'm on the job running equipment and... You know, I should be on a shovel to some people's eyes. In other people's eyes, like my dad is still working. Like I should be running the company. Me and my brothers are in their thirties. We should be running the company. My dad should be on a beach. Everyone's story is different, but you cannot, you can't please everybody. You know, we're all part of a team here. Yeah. So no, I think that there's no way to, there's no way to win. It's always going to get said. You're always going to be criticized by people doing less than you. That's what I constantly remind myself. You mentioned uh, ruffling feathers, Matt. Uh, what's been the approach uh, to just family dynamics in the business? I mean, you got three, two or three of the boys. I, I think you said two since the, the other one is uh, yeah, three. working in the business. And then you got 
dad who's still obviously working in it with you guys mom's focused on the office stuff so what what do the family dynamics look like and how do you guys balance roles and responsibilities um so i would say when we were in our teenage years when we were full of piss and vinegar um <laughs> we did fight a little bit on the job but it was always like it's like you get it out and it's done it's over with you know dad would slip out on us and same thing it's over it's done with there in family business, there's going to be blowups, but you got to learn to just like shut it off and move on. Um, as far as now, you know, you hear the saying of sometimes, you know, I compare it to sports, right? Basketball. Sometimes I got to score 50 points and my brother's got to score 10 points and get 10 rebounds and 10 assists. Um, that's the way family business runs. Sometimes I'm holding the towel for my brother. Sometimes it's holding for me. You know, sometimes I'm the utility guy. Sometimes I'm the star player, for example. Um, I, we don't have it all figured out, right? Because this is a this is this is a marathon here. But I think that's the way the family dynamic works. That you know, sometimes it's some some days you're the boss. Some days you're the guy at the bottom. It as long as everyone's rolling in the same direction and we're going forward, that's all that matters. So nobody's above anything. You guys are just doing what it takes to make it happen. Yeah. Well. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny. Um, I don't know if anyone connects to this, but I have it. My father is still very involved, right? Mm -hmm. uh, not running machines every minute of the day. But when my father, I think I talked to Breck about a little bit about this before. Um, say we're on a job site, right? A typical paving job. My dad's there. Um, and me and my brother, Josh, who's a couple years older than me, like we're like the, we're like the foreman on the job. Um, when Josh is there and my dad's there, my dad's got the final say. I know that Josh knows that. As soon as my dad steps off the job, Josh has the final say. I know that. Okay, if Josh makes a decision, I can give him what I think would be the right good way to go about it. Sometimes I don't know, and I'm glad Josh is making the decision, but we're all rowing in the same directions. And a lot of times, Josh leans on me um, to either, you know, back up what he's what he's thinking or is not too sure and, and needs advice. Uh, so the dynamic is always changing. It's awesome that you guys all get along still. Uh, there's a lot more than just two of you involved with that, and that yeah, that's that's pretty rad. Thank you. Well, well, Matt, one of the things that I'm always kind of curious to 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 talk about is uh, we had someone on on a previous podcast chat about this as well, but you know, uh, well, it's kind of two things. <clears throat> one, like you're you're obviously working with other folks that aren't connected to the family, so like veterans in the space. So maybe it's like a two-part question. One, it seems like there's a lot of respect in your guys' crew of like, you know, I, I'm sure you've heard of this, but I've, I've even seen it where it's like, you know, you're you're the son of the owner and like everybody on the crew knows that or, you know, you get a lot of shit is what I'm trying to say. And there's like a lack of respect. That seems like it's not the case for you guys. Am I correct? Absolutely correct. And so what, how has it been like working with other industry veterans? Cause it sounds like there's a good dynamic with the crew. They all like respect that it's a family business, but how has it been working with, you know, a family run business with, uh, you know, just veterans on the crew? That's a great question. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I have guys on my crew that have been with my dad since he started his business, which mm -hmm. I think for a boss, that's like the ultimate flex. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That shows that you know how to treat people. Um, I got guys that I call uncle because they're like family to us. I love that. Yeah. 
And I mean, just going back, right? If I wasn't working the summers when I was 13 years old, if I wasn't even more so there when I was 17, 18, 19, when they knew I was sacrificing a little bit, you know, they say, oh, Maddie, go away for the weekend. And I don't, and I'm washing trucks on a Saturday till three o'clock. Um, that's where you gain respect amongst mm. the better employees. And I even go a little further. Uh, as much as my dad and my brothers taught me a lot, those guys, those veterans taught me a shit ton that maybe my dad, you know, little, little, uh, techniques. I learned a bunch from them. And, um, it's even funny now, now that we have all this technology and new equipment, the young guys are learning the equipment first and I'm teaching the old guys how to run it. Mm which is funny. Um, but yeah, I don't know how that would work in a family business. If you didn't put the work in and you come in and you're a foreman, I know that's gotta be tough. Yeah. yeah. I see. You mentioned, Oh, I start from a bro. You mentioned that growing up in this, it taught you respect as well. So with, with that being said, when you first got into the role where say you're above some of these people, you weren't just a cocky asshole talking to these people like they were nothing, right? It, it, you understood the responsibility that you had and you treated them with respect as well. Yeah. I mean, paving, I don't, I'm sure it's, I don't know your guy's industry exactly the way it goes, but like uh, in paving that kid on the broom or that kid on the shovel, that's a huge part of what's going on here. You know, if he's not yeah. have that blacktop shoveled out in the right spot, then we all have to stop shovel it out. Um, yeah. You can go down to the kid on the broom. When we get done with the job, not every job is going to come out perfect. That's my and my brother's goal that the jobs are perfect. But if you leave a job and it's not perfect and it's a mess, that's a very bad look. So when I give that kid a broom, you know, a couple hours before the done or before we're done, and I say, you know, let's get start sweeping up before it gets dark. If he does a shit job and then we leave and uh, we leave a mess, that's a bad look. That's like a bad reputation on you guys as a whole. Yeah. That's the shit that keeps me up at night. You know, mm-hmm. I, every job is a reflection of yourself. Uh, so, you know, and then when you get those guys trained in and I tell that kid to go sweep and I don't even have to go look, like, that's awesome. That's how he moves up the totem pole. And that's how I moved up the totem pole, right? You took that responsibility and made shit, made sure the shit was clean yourself. Yeah. So I got to pay your dues to get that role. Speaking of reflection, Matt, I think this is a good transition into promoting your reflection on getting jobs to perfection. Wow, it just sounded like a rapper right there. Uh, Anyways, I want to talk a little bit more about social media and branding. Obviously, you guys have been at this for a long fucking time. This is not like some overnight thing where you guys, quote unquote, blew up. When did you guys start taking social media seriously? I, I know you guys... You, you, you spoke about this a lot when we when we chatted on the phone, but you guys have always kind of like wanted to build that legacy. You kept your equipment nice. Um, you have a lot of pride in your work, which obviously uh, builds your reputation. But when did you guys actually start taking social media seriously? Um, so back up a little bit. Our brand was always important, right? As far as the trucks, the equipment, the way they looked, mm-hmm. our logo, the colors, it was very uniform. Give my parents credit for that. Um, when we got a little older, right? Sponsoring baseball teams, sponsoring basketball teams. It's all brand new, right? Um, in high school, in middle school, you know, everybody wanted an American pavement sweatshirt. Everyone wanted a hat. All the girlfriends wanted the sweatshirt. <laughs> so that's where the merchandise thing kind of started in my head. Interesting. You know? Um, but I'll tell you how we got on social media was 
you know, I'm in high school, maybe a freshman, uh, and we're working summers, right? So we have a website, um, but this is a website like back in, you know, I'm talking 2006, a company make a website. Oh, wow. They don't even look at it, you know, for a couple mm-hmm. years, it's outdated. And, you know, our company's growing like crazy, you know, we're buying new equipment, we're equipment junkies. So I want to share it. Um, so we started a Facebook business page and what's funny is that I'm the social media guy. I didn't start the page. My brother started it. Um, so we started a Facebook business page solely on the fact that we wanted to keep the community updated on what we were doing, had no plans to blow it up. Just wanted to post projects, um, post our shiny red trucks and get the community involved in what we were doing. And I, I would say, I don't know, maybe like 2014, we got on Instagram, maybe a year before that. Oh, again, I didn't think Instagram paving would work. My brother was like, we're going to start an Instagram page. We built that. Um, so we started an Instagram page and, you know, same thing, just posting our work. Um, I've never, ever even posted our number on the page. Never said, call us, call us for a quote. Mm-hmm. Here we are, we have the biggest presence in the world. Um, so, uh, went at it very organically. And I think the first thing that got traction on social media was our trucks. You know, trucking is a huge community. So guys like the trucks and they were followers. And then, uh, yeah, that's how I got started. Um, one of you, God, you guys were in this early. You had to have been one of the first baby yeah. on Instagram, right? Like, yeah, no, for sure. hundred percent. We we're buyers. I even say like, I didn't know many landscapers on, on Instagram. You know, it was kind of just us. Um, uh, and I was getting like, friends and family to follow us because like I said, everybody, you know, we had a cool company locally. Um, when we really picked it up was, uh, we had bought a drone for the job and, you know, we started messing around with the drone. You know, my brother would be on the back of the paver flying a drone. Like, you know, you could fly a drone and just like have it circling yeah. around. You. Yeah. That's kind of how we started. Just fly it up there and we had this footage and we didn't know what to do with it. Right. Um, so I think this was 2017, 2018, somewhere around there. Um, I was the barber shop I go to. Uh, there was a receptionist there, and he was always like recording the barbers uh, cutting hair. Because mm. some kid bought a camera and was like, I want to do some videos of me cutting hair. And I'm like, that's cool. And then I seen one of my buddies, he was like incorporated in the video, and I was like, I want that kid's number. Let me hit him up. So that's my boy, Shane Vanahee, who. I've been working with since, um, he's the main, he's a beast. And, um, I, I, I DM Shane and I was like, Shane, you ever been on first? I introduced myself. I was like, you ever been on a construction job before? And he's like, no, bro, never. We're <laughs> paving a local restaurant, you know, in two days, we'd love it if you stop by. So he stopped by in sneakers had no clue what he was doing. And I always tell this story. He went home and edited it. It was like a minute video because that was the thing back then. It was like a minute video yeah. when you put up yeah. the um, So he took like a minute video at this bar and uh, posted on IG and like we we picked Welcome to the Jungle was the music. And oh, that okay. it, it was some, I don't know if there's swears in it, but it was a little edgy. You know, a lot of people didn't get it. They're like, you should probably like put some country music for that. And I was like, no, nah, this got to be edgy. This got to be cool. It's got to be what I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he made this video. He edited it in like four to six hours, bro. I woke up to a video. I watched it in bed and I was like, this is cool. And I go to, I'm going to work. It's like 5.30 in the morning and I'm watching it back and my heart was 
racing, bro. I was like, this is something here. Like I knew at that point, um, we had something special here. Um, so we, we kept doing those videos and I kept getting edgy with it. I was putting like rap music. I had Kanye West instruction <laughs> video. And like my dad was like, I don't know about that, Maddie. Um, the big thing that I would say when I first started online, like seriously getting creative, um, I don't say this to brag, but up until maybe a couple years ago, I paid for every video, every post, every YouTube video that we did out of my own pocket um, because I knew I was taking a big risk and I didn't want to be spending the company's money like that foolishly. So I was like, and also it was a little selfish to me because I wanted the, the final say in creative, right? If I wanted a Drake song to be on that video because I thought it looked cool, then that's what it was. Mm. Uh, so that's kind of how I made that risk, just taking it all myself. So when you guys first got going with social, though, the goal was mainly to promote within, like, say, a 50-mile radius and just get, like, show off to locals? Like, or did you go, when when did that transition hit from, like, because you say that you were just, like, a, a local business, and then, obviously, now this is way more than just localized. Well, what was that, yeah, like? Bro, to be completely honest, I don't know if we had a plan back then. We were just creating. I was just making what was cool. You okay. Know? Um... I wish I could say I had a master plan back then. I did want to, I did know Matt, that um, the equipment we ran, we were proud of it. And other contractors around our area, oh, we, he's, you know, if we were buying Leboy Pavers, so were that. We were buying Peterbilt trucks, they were buying it. They were branding their stuff a certain way. So I was like, you know, if I'm providing value for my, my local area, I might as well just blast it because people are, I call it biting, right? People were biting off this. I was like, no, you know, I, I think that's how some of the best, uh, stories and like really capturing the social media world start is like when you just want to put your creative effort out there. Like Matt, I, I think this is even, or what I should say, this is even how you started with Matt Bangswood and everything. You just wanted to share what you were doing because it was your creative outlet. You weren't really going into it. Yeah, you weren't going into it and being like, "Oh man, I want to build a brand, or I'm going to try to get some clients. I'm going to drop my phone number or my email in my bio like that." I, I don't even think you have that today. I don't. I, I don't think. No. Uh, uh, it's kind so, of cringy. A lot of people yeah. do that. They have ten followers, and it's call me for this. It's like, dude, yeah, pretty quote. See this? Yeah, we see that. I know that someone else is running their page. Like they, yeah, they yep. see them too. That's not the way to go about it, bro. I, I, I'm cu- I'm curious, Matt. Has uh, social media helped you guys in growing your business through like new clientele? And I, I would imagine too that you guys probably I don't want to be making too many assumptions here, but I would imagine that recruiting is not really a problem for you guys. Yeah, I mean a lot of like you know I call them the old people, the old people in the industry, like old media. Uh, they think that that's solely while we're doing this for the workforce. Locally, we've never had an issue hiring people because one, you know, all my friends wanted to work for us. If they did want to do construction, they wanted to work for us because we always made it cool. Um, but yeah, bro, I would say like it's a little annoying that there's people from all over the country that are messages wanting a job. But like, I'm not going to relocate someone just to see if they'll work out for a couple mm-hmm. of weeks working with us. So we do still hire locally. Um, yeah, I think the biggest reason maybe why we really got serious about it was 
I knew how much work my mom and dad put into this. And we had a good reputation, you know, in our 30 mile range, but I wanted that re reputation to be huge, right? Yeah. When we go out of state, for example, when we go to asphalt plant, you know, before social media, they didn't know who we were, you know, they weren't given good serious, that good service. So we roll up to an asphalt plant. Now the guy's like, I watch your videos. You know, you guys want us to stay a little later? We'll stay. No problem. When we go buy equipment, we get the best service now because we have that following because we're running our equipment. Uh, so yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. No, it does. I, I think one of the things that you mentioned, Matt, is like you guys were already taking brands seriously before you got onto social media. And I think that's really good advice because I think we can kind of get caught up in thinking about social media of like, okay, Nate, I needed to start doing X. It's like, you need to be X before you start projecting that through social media, like be something and then establish yourself in the digital world versus how can I like alter a perception of like the digital me versus like the real me. And I think that's probably why you guys have seen so much success is like, you're just doing what you already did before, but now it's in a digital space. So that's why it's worked. Yeah, nothing's exactly. fake. Exactly. I want you guys to talk about both of this because this is a little bit out of my wheelhouse, but uh, you know, we, we had a, a previous guest um, on the show, Byron, um, we talked a lot about his, his little slogan is abolish trade secrets. And it's honestly a lot of why we started the podcast was ultimately Matt and I wanted to one, share stories of people who are actually in the industry doing the work, but two, to actually talk about their stories so that it can help the greater community at large. And so I want both of you guys to kind of touch on this, but how have both of you thought about, you know, sharing the stuff that you're actually doing on the job site to better the industry? Because one, we do need to abolish trade secrets. It does not help the industry because now we have such a generational gap where we have all the young guns coming in and then you have an older generation that is taking all of the knowledge with them and we need to bridge that gap. Like, how have you guys thought about sharing what you're doing um, and not really kind of being close chested with what you're doing? I'll let you take it. Um, that was hard for me at first. I think when we first started video doing videos, uh, I was like, Shane, don't get that. Don't get this. Take that out. Now I don't care, right? Because mm. um, we are benefiting from it now. But I understand when you first start out and you're, you're maybe not benefiting from your social media presence, that that's hard for you. Um, but, you know, I always keep in mind, it's an old saying, you can sell the recipe and they still can't make the same sauce. It's mm. a good way to put it. So, you know, I could give them the blueprint and, and they're still, it's hard to say without sounding braggadocious, but like, as long as I'm trailblazing and I'm doing my own thing and I'm marching to the beat of my own drum, they're going to stay behind me because they're looking at me and, and it sounds bad, but like, they're looking at me, they're looking for, um, inspiration. They're looking mm -hmm. what you're next and I'm already on to the next thing. So as far yeah. as like. I say that because like, as far as like giving, giving away the trade secrets, you know, I'm giving people a blueprint on how to build a brand online. Uh, I don't know. It's, it, I, it, I still struggle with that a little bit. If you guys are watching the video, there's a poster behind Matt and it says execution. The beauty is not in the ideas. The beauty is in execution. I, I can agree with what you're saying. It does sound like you're, you're, you're bragging a bit about it, but the thing about it is like, 
oftentimes people think of like the trade secrets, especially like in the, in the trades as like, a if I tell person A or person B how to do this, my job is gone. I've never once gave a shit if I lose my job. I'm not going to. It's not going to happen. We're not going to lose work because I taught another company how to do something. It's just not going to happen. We get we get hired so much more than, I mean, other people because of the fact that we're credible. We have this reputation built up. We've been in this for fucking years. It's not because I know how to cut a roof with certain fucking angles. Like, it's not a, a technique that I know that gets us hired. So that that's the way I've always thought about it is like, I don't care to hold all this stuff in. I'd rather share it with people because, I mean, if they can use it to their benefit, cool. But it's not going to take me out. It's not going to take you out. Right. Yeah, for one, the world is abundant, right? There's plenty to go around. Absolutely. Um, My dad harps on this a lot. I mean, he's the one that's really given 50 years of his experience away for free. Um, But in our industry, I'm sure the same as yours. Sorry about that. Um, There's a a lot of ways to do things. And sometimes when you're doing a job for somebody and they've never seen it done that certain way, they automatically think you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Um, I like to think we have the best practices. So we share our practices with people um, and, and the customer or the clientele, they get familiar with the way it's done. When I roll up to a job and I'm doing it my way, they understand it. Yeah. There's some sort of, um, I don't know the right word, but there's some sort of industry standard we're, uh, we're raising here, you know? No, I agree. I think that a lot of people are stuck in their ways. They see things done one way and understanding that there is 10 different ways to do just about everything is, um, the way that you grow. I mean, when, when I first, I got started on social in 2017 and I watched people do things that were 10 times different than the way that I did it. And I'm thinking, what the fuck are you doing? And that was that closed minded mentality. And then I started thinking, shit, you're doing it a way that is actually quicker and more efficient than what I'm doing. So we started adapting and we've, we've taken like so many different inputs from people and like we have a system now that I think is bulletproof, kind of similar to what you're saying. And that, that came from adapting and learning from different people everywhere. If you go into it with just what you know, you're fucked. That's an old person's mentality, right? Yeah. Speaking of uh, raising the standard, let's talk about raising on blacktop. What, how did how did this start, man? Envision. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Raised on blacktop started in this room right here. This is like my office. Oh, I like it. Yes, humble beginnings, baby. This is like my extra bedroom in my house. Um, so raised on blacktop. How did it start? As I said, growing up, everybody wanted our merch, right? Just because it was cool. Um, they wanted to be a part of it. Um, so. I started, you know, kind of getting the merch done myself, right? I'd be going to screen printers. I'd be saying, you know, I want, for example, I want our logo on a black sweatshirt and I have black on my logo. And they're like, you know, you can't put black ink on a black sweatshirt or you can't do this. So you bring them an idea and they actually just do what they want because it's cheaper for them or something. Um, so I was like, I was, I was passionate about it. And because I was passionate about branding, you know, I was like, I need a little freedom here. I need to be able to create on my own. So I went online and I bought Silhouette Cameo, it's called. It's like a DIY, something that um, women can use around the house. They can make candles, (laughs) make charcuterie boards with little vinyl on it, stuff like that. That's what it's Mm -hmm. for. Um, So I watched a ton of YouTube videos and I saw that people were making t-shirts with these. 
So what you do, you load vinyl on the silhouette cutter and there's a little program that comes with it. So you can cut out objects and then you can, you know, it's called weeding them out. You weed it out and then it comes out of seal, right? And then I bought a heat press and you could seal it on a shirt. Um, so that's the way I started. I was just making American pavement gear and I wanted to be able to, you know, just like this Nike sweatshirt. I mean, we're doing it. Business is bigger now, so I'm able to make merch like this, but before like a crew of 20 guys, a crew of 50 guys, you're not going to go out and buy car hearts for everybody and get shirts made. And that's not expensive. Problems, right. So I was like, how can I make, make some work gear? And it, it started as work weekend work gear that me and my brothers can wear on the weekend. So I would be going to Dick's Sporting Goods and I started buying these Nike long sleeves where I was buying uh, Carhartt sweatshirts and I was printing my logo on them. And then as I got a little familiar with the program, I started, you know, messing with some some sayings and uh, I came up with like, I was messing with blacktop. I just put blacktop on there. I came up with like four on blacktop, raised by blacktop. And I came up with raised on blacktop. That, was, mm. that represents us perfect. Um, and it's a way that we could be represented, represented and it doesn't have American payment plastered on there. Yeah. Um, so I was messing with that saying that I came up with the old English logo and, and started printing it on shirts and I was I might have something. This looks good. So I was making it for my brothers, a couple of my guys. And um, then I was started posting them online. And off that following, it was a small following at the time, but off that little community that we built on American Pavement, I had guys hit me up and were like, how do I get one of those shirts? Mind you, when I was making these shirts, I had mine that I wanted to sell them. I had that in mind. Uh, but I didn't think it, it would it'd pop that quick. Um, so I started selling them online a little bit, like, just direct to people, you know, a couple of weeks. Yeah. When I got a little busier with it and I started buying, you know, 50 shirts at a time, still buying them at Dick's, still on these $50 Nike long sleeves. And I was spending a fortune, but I was like, I'm going to figure this out. Um, so I would say like in 2019, I finally, you know, ran my first, I started a Shopify account, got my first run of real hoodies and then started them online. And I mean, not to talk numbers, but I maybe did like 30, 40 grand the first year. And now there we go. Yeah. That was like the first year I thought that was like amazing, you know, and now it's like, it's its own business, which is crazy. Well, well the cool thing that, about what you guys are doing is, I mean, you're bringing a community together. If you were like what you were alluding to a second ago was like, if it was just American pavement plastered all over and it was kind of this, I don't know, self-interested movement. And, and I get it. Like you, you are working at American pavement and this is your other baby. But if it was just to get that brand out, like people would think it's probably pretty selfish. And so I think you guys stand for a lot more. I think that, yeah, that's a great point. That's something I left out that as far as like making a business out of the merchandise, I was like, cause that was my first thought. I was like, I'm going to start selling American pavement gear online, but like to really scale it, pavers are prideful. Like, yeah. They're not going to buy, I mean, people do now, but not everyone's going to want to wear an American payment shirt on some crew that's in Ohio. Yeah. I get that. And I was like, how can I create a brand that can, can, that can bring together this amazing, but competitive, uh, construction community. And that's the way I went about it. Yeah. It's something everybody can relate to and it's not biased to one company. Exactly. It's fucking brilliant. Really? You, I want to I want to talk about something that I think is pretty crazy. I, I know one other company that has done this, but if I remember correctly, you guys sponsored a fucking NASCAR, right? Yep. <laughs> How in the hell did you get that opportunity? Normally they're pretty exclusive. Like, 
what happened? Same story. So we had, I, I wish I knew exactly how many followers we had on Instagram, but that's where it came about. Um, I'm going to say maybe we had 10,000 followers on IG, right? And we're at a trade show, the world of asphalt in Nashville. And prior to before that, I saw that a, a verified account started following us. And it was Spencer Boyd. Um, he's, from, he's a Missouri boy, but he's from North Carolina. And he was following us and I hit him up. I'm, I was like, hey, appreciate the follow. And he's like, yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm into the blue collar community. Um, and I like what you're doing. I like your trucks and equipment. And I was like, sweet. I have this raised on blacktop brand. I would love to send you a sweatshirt. Send him a sweatshirt. And that was like it. And I'm like, he's not going to wear this. You know, he was just bullshitting with me. He, he like wore the hell out of that sweatshirt. He loved it because raised on blacktop. Yeah. Well, my spark community. Um, so we're sitting in a lobby, Nashville, and I get a direct message from him on IG. And I'm like, first of all, I was just excited that Spencer messaged us. Yeah. Like that. You know? And he hit us up. He was like, hey, man, um, Daytona's in like a month or two. Um, my sponsor just pulled out. I need a Daytona sponsor and you can guys can get in at a reasonable rate. Mind you, it's still expensive, but he's like, I can get you in at a reasonable rate. And I was like blown away. And I'm literally sitting right next to my dad and my brother. And I was like, check this out. You know, <laughs> he was like, wow, like that's pretty cool. Like, and I was like, we got to do it, you know? And, uh, he's like, all right, my dad's the type of dude. He's like, he wants to think about something for a couple of days. You know, he's like, let's sleep on it. So we slept on it. We, we flew home. And then also, he's like, let me talk to your mother about it, right? She's a big part of what we're doing here. So the next day, um, it might have been two days later, uh, my dad was like, man, yeah, I think we should do it. Like, it's a cool opportunity. What the hell? Fuck it. Let's do it. So I called Spencer, and I was like, hey, Spencer. I was like, I'm down. We're in. And he's like, ah. He's like, my, I just got another Daytona sponsor. I have another race available the following week. It's in Vegas. And at the time, we were like going to Con Expo around the same time. So I was like, this could be cool. Um, so we ended up sponsoring the Las, Las Vegas race. And I didn't know this, but Spencer being from a small race team, I didn't know much about racing before. Um, a small race team, Vegas is a short track, they call it. Um, those small race teams, they can't compete against these big names in, in the NASCAR mm -hmm. um, industry uh, because they they just don't have as good products as them. Now, races like Daytona and Talladega, it's big tracks. There's a lot of crashes. Um, you can't compete. Anyways, I say that to, we did Vegas and like, I thought that, I thought we were going to blow up off it, bro. You know, <laughs> and as cool as it was to see it and we got a good amount of content out of it, we didn't get a ton of traction off it. Right. And, uh, he was like, you know, we got to do more races. And I was like, I, I want to do Daytona. I knew that he can be competitive there. We'll have a chance. And Daytona is like the Super Bowl of basketball. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, so the whole time, the whole, that whole year, I was like pencils in for Daytona. I want first dibs. Um, so that's what we ended up doing in 2021. Uh, we did the Daytona race. We were the primary sponsor. Uh, we brought the whole family. We brought family friends to the race. We had pit passes. And then that was awesome. like the raised on blacktop, uh, brand. And of course we had raised on blacktop on the hood. I sold merch online prior to the race, did pretty good with it. Uh, and then we had like a couple cool things that came out about it. Like when the when Spencer first announced it, Dale Earnhardt Jr. like retweeted it. It was like, oh, I forget what it was, but it was like paving and NASCAR. Like, this is great. Yeah. So I was like, kind of gassed this up. You know, what is something cool? Oh, people don't know this, but in 
NASCAR heat, I forget which one it was. I think it's five or six. You can, the American pavement raised on blacktop truck is in the video game. No shit. No, really? With the branding and stuff? Yeah. That is fucking killer, man. You're going to like have kids with like these cars and it's going to say raised on blacktop someday and they're going to be like running on the, uh, the asphalt. That's great. The branding on that truck looks so fucking killer. It did. Thank yeah. That's awesome. Speaking of branding, I want to talk about some of these collaboration opportunities that came up. Matt, you and I were talking about the the Lee Boy and everything, and feel free to go into as many details or, or lack of, uh, you know, whatever you're comfortable with. But uh, talk to us about how the the Lee Boy opportunity came about. Like, it, it's crazy to hear because, like a second ago, we were just talking to you about, you know, you're you're doing this like screen printing in your house, like cutting out and doing stuff and testing, and some was coming out great, some not so great. And now it turned into like the the Daytona opportunity, the video game thing, and then like now Lee Boy. Like this is not just sweatshirts. Yeah. Crazy. How the hell did this happen? Um, so I'll tell you how the Lee Boy thing happened. Um we've been buying Lee Boys for twenty five years, right? My dad was I think he was the first person in Connecticut to buy a Lee Boy paver. And um, so we already had a good relationship with them, um, not from a marketing side, just from a dealer customer side, right? So back in 2019, it's funny. Um, I was I had my first run of hoodies. I had some long sleeves, and I snuck a suitcase into the show. And shout out to my guys from X Broom. They let me hide my suitcase in their booth, and I was selling T-shirts on the shirt floor in in the National Pavement Expo. Well before we ever had a trade booth at any of these things. Um, so in 2019, I had a solid social media following and I was on there on a mission. I was like, I need to talk to these marketing directors. You know, that's the cool thing about shows like Con Expo. You get the engineers, you get the CEOs of the company, you get the marketing executives, they're all in the booths and they want to talk to you. Um, so I rolled up to the Lee Boy booths. I knew the Lee family already. Um, that was like, who's in marketing? Who can I talk to? So I, I, I talked to a couple of the girls that worked there, but Candace Carpenter was like the one that I really connected with. And um, she she was like, "Yes, I heard of you guys." And I showed her the the brick, the, the shirts. And you know, this was like their first time really seeing it. They're like, "Wow, that's cool!" You know, never been done. Blacktop has never had an apparel brand. Yeah. Um, and here I am. I don't know how old I was at the time. Maybe twenty six, whatever. And I'm like giving them these. I'm like, take some shirts. And I was like. Just all I want you to do is check us out on social media when you get back. See what we're doing. I would love to do, you know, start promoting your machines, have you repost our videos. Just want to create a relationship here. So I told the story on a podcast last week, and it's funny because Candace, the girl from Lee Boy, hit me up, and she was like, you know, when we left the show, our suitcase got, uh, our suitcase got lost in the, in the luggage or whatever, and um, she was like, all we had were your shirts, so we were all wearing. <laughs> So like, yes, I had to like really look into you guys. So she hit up like our dealership in Connecticut. She hit up our regional rep and also, you know, the 25 years of blood, sweat and tears. My parents put in, we, we had a great reputation with them. Right. And then here I am, you know, um, young, ambitious, clear eyed. And I'm like, I want to, uh, market for you guys. Um, so we did a couple of things before this paper happened, like. Following year at Con Expo, we hosted like a contractor meetup. 
So we got some co-branded hats. And this is like, I wasn't putting Raising on Blacktop on hats yet. It was just American Bay mm-hmm. hat. We had the little Wee Boy logo on the side. And we organized a contractor meetup. And I kept it really casual. I was like, 2 o'clock on Wednesday, come to the Wee Boy booth. And I knew in the back of my head, I'm going to get this booth flooded with pavers because there's like, you know, at Con Expo, there wasn't really much for the pavers to like really meet up and feel, have a sense of community. Yeah. So I was like, two o'clock, we'll meet up and we'll have a, a contractor meet up. Let's meet up and talk blacktop. So we did that. And I think that was the first time that Lee Boy's eyes were like really open. We're like, mm. guys are making some waves online within the community. Uh, so later that summer, it was like early summer and our regional rep all this so a regional rep is a guy that works for the manufacturer not the dealership right uh my regional rep called me and was like um we want to make we want to make an ode to the family businesses in construction in paving what better way to do that with with a raised on blacktop paver so they've mm-hmm. done something like this in the past so the way i can explain it they've done like they've brought a pink paver to a uh a show and they painted a pink, and it was a breast cancer paper. And they, uh, yeah, they they chose a foundation, and they did you know a charity. So I kind of thought that's that's what it was going to be. And they also did something with tunnels for towers, and they like wrapped the paper in American flag. They're like, we want to do something for the family businesses. What better way to do that than raise on blackout? So honestly, I was like, I was driving in a truck, bro. When I when I got this, I'm in the dumb truck hauling loads, and I'm like headed back to the job, and he's like, you. Talk about it with your family, see if you want to do it. And the whole time I'm like, hell yeah, like, let's do it, you know? So that's how it started. And then we got on phone calls, right? I got on phone calls with the marketing team, with the regional rep. And they also got like a lot of their bigger dealerships, um, maybe like their three top performing dealerships. They got the presidents on the phone and we were all talking. And it was cool because I didn't really have to sell it to them. They all were like, this could be something more than just a one-off paver. You know, and the rate at the time I was like, you know, there's the Harley Davidson pickup trucks, right? The Harley Davidson Fords or the Shelby Mustangs. I was like, this is what it could be. Um, it could be a cool paint scheme. It could, you know, well, it's got a red leather seat on there. It could be aesthetically pleasing. But I was like, let's, let's, you know, dive deep into this and let's put accessories on this machine that the everyday contractor will want. Mm-hmm. You know, those things that when these guys are on the back of the paper, like, you know, I wish I had a spot where I could put my pink on there. I wish I had a spot where I could put my rake on the paver and it could be secure and it's not falling off or it's not hitting you in the head. Um, so what we did, we took our own paver action and we brought it down to our mechanic right down the street. It's called North American Equipment. And we told them exactly what we wanted. So we, I mean, we made like the steps bigger. We made a slot for you to put a rake in. We we made a lighting package on our paver. Uh, so we had lights like shining inside the paver where, you know, where it got dark at night and you can't see. That was like a thing amongst contractors. But mm-hmm. you know, the manufacturers, they they design these machines and sometimes they just forget about these little details. And it's something that we always were like adamant about. Um, so we made like 15 uh, modifications in this paver. And it was during COVID. So we had to actually shoot a video and send it to them. So we shot a walk around video and uh, they ended up adopting like 14 out of the 15 things we did. Wow. Um, it started out as one paper, then it went to like, all right, we're going to do three. And then, you know, as the project got closer release date, they're like, all right, we're going to do 25 of these papers. 
So like he was 25 and then, then they got to a point where the hype is so great that um, they're like, we're just going to like make him in the factory and anybody who wants one can get one. Oh, so wow. now just down at Lead Boy, um, they've sold 150 units. And no shit. Yeah. 150 pavers they've sold. Um, and only 75 of them have been delivered yet. So like within the next year, we're going to be seeing a lot of contractors running these on the job sites, well, which will be cool. I mean, amazing opportunity. I'll never forget uh, the opportunity that Lead Boy gave us. Um, but that was like huge for me because I had just started the brand. You know, I was two years into it. Yes, we were big on social media, but to do a collaboration with a manufacturer, uh, they'd never do that. Um, so that was like an amazing opportunity for us. And it kind of stamped the legacy that this is going to be around forever, right? Because those pavers in 20 years mm-hmm. might be behind someone's yard with trees growing through them, but they're still going to be there. You know, guys, we haven't even got to the point where guys are reselling them. You know, yeah. got pavers, but, you know, those pavers are going to hold their value a little more, which is like mm-hmm. mind-boggling to me. So that's kind of how it started and. Uh, we're going to be doing a lot more with them. He's got new pavers coming out and we're hopefully going to look at them and do a few more. I'm sure that was pretty reassuring as well. Like you, you started this brand, you got everything going and then this hit from, I mean, I, what was there a time in the first two years of business with like raised on blacktop where you were thinking, fuck, this might not work or like, what are we going to do or. Um, yeah, that was definitely reassuring that, you know, I belong. Yeah. You're doing the right thing. Manufacturer works with a small brand. It's like okay, they see something in me, mm-hmm. right? So that was like, just like I said, like super thankful. Um, one thing I could say about building a brand, I think there's a lot of people that you know have an idea in their mind, and because of outside noise, they're worried about what other people are going to think. It, like, who's Matt to come out with a or an apparel brand? You know, he's a he's a paver. He's in construction. Like, yeah, what does he think he is? And I always kept it in my mind that. You know, the community around here, as far as like, they weren't going to be the people that supported me immediately. We sold it was going to be the kid in Ohio, the kid in Texas, the kid in Florida who sees this raised on blacktop brand and it's like, it's cooler than shit to him. Yeah. You know, so I had that mind that I'm going to build this brand, you know, off social media, online, and then bring it home. Then I'll get the community support. Oh, by the time the locals support, you'll be big enough where I'm, I'm sure it's happening now where it's like, well, we, we've, we've done what we needed to do. Yeah. Now, now they'll rock it. I can't tell you how many times I'll go out to a bar or something. Like, oh, I need to buy my shirt. And I'm like, take the shirt out and just give it to them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think that's a good reminder, Matt, that you, you mentioned this, uh, on our call, but you you said something along the lines of, you know, people thousands of miles away can become your biggest supporters. And like, you know, for the lack of better words, sometimes in your own kind of like local watering hole, like those are the people that that's like your probably biggest competition. But it's like you should be open to the fact that people thousands of miles away are going to be your biggest supporters one day. And I think that's a key reminder. Right. Because if if this brand or whatever idea you have, it's going to work. You're going to need support from thousands of miles away. Your community, I can be able to support a little clothing brand or um, a podcast you're doing, right? You're going to need people from all over the world, all over the country. So you got to think big. Got to think big. Exactly. Before we close out, 
curious, what advice do you typically give to people who reach out to you for guidance in this industry? Um, as far as the industry as a, as a whole or social media or the industry as a whole. Um, I like to tell people, you know, that, like I said before, like I didn't start this business from the ground up. My dad did. Um, but a lot of people, a lot of paving companies are family run businesses. Um, so I would say, you know, when you're first starting out, start small. Um, it's a little, the landscape of the industry is a little different now where you can rent equipment. Um, with online, this is something that people never talk about. You know, online, you can land a big job that you probably wouldn't get before. You know, I grew up, my dad always told me like, you know, a small contractor, they weren't paving the Walmart parking lots. Um, that was only the big guys. You know, I was only doing driveways. And if I did a park a lot, they'd be like, who is this guy? Um, so I, I, I would always say like, start small, build that solid foundation. Um, even today, American Pavement. I hear companies double every year. They triple in size every two years. We don't. We, we little by little is how we've scaled our business. Um, we grow out of necessity. We're focused. I think the best advice I can give is focus on being the best. Don't focus on being the biggest. Be the best. Um, take care of your customers. Be a man of your word, man or woman of your word. And your reputation, your reputation will take care of itself. I love that, man. You guys are such long-term thinkers. And, and, and I like how you guys think about hiring too. Hire when it starts to hurt. Not not to not to not to boast about headcount. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we hire maybe one or two guys a year. We don't go and hire five guys. I can't imagine trying ten people at a time. You know, but how do you let I know that hires five to ten people at a time, fires seventy percent of them within six months? Right. And, you know, some people, that's the way they run their business. They don't care. But when I bring a guy or, um, my first thought is how are we going to scale them in this business? Like if I, if we hire a kid that's going to start on the shovel and we never think that he's going to be able to work his way up, we'll get rid of him even if we need him because everybody needs to be grown here. Um, so, you know, we, when, when, when a guy gets like, I don't know what you call it, what the correct term is, but when a guy's tapped out, He's not going to be learning anymore. You know, that's an issue. Yeah. No, you always have to be growing. Yeah. Speaking of that, I, I'm very curious, Matt. Obviously, you've put yourself in a position to take advantage of opportunities when they show up, much like slinging the shirts at the the trade shows too. I mean, just you don't wait for people's permission. Like that. That is like the aura that you've given off this entire episode. Is one, you want to pay your dues like you did growing up too. You want to make the family business and everybody involved with it proud. And you want to do something that leaves an impact. And so like all of those like guiding principles has got has gotten you to where you are today. But along the way, has there been any, you know, beliefs or guiding principles that have one, shaped your journey throughout the industry and two, have has any of those changed over the last few years? Yeah. A deep question. Uh, I give all my success um, to my parents. Okay, they. The older I get, the more I realize that uh, running a business in in, in uh, running a business in uh, taking care of kids is like the hardest thing to do. You know, and making sure those kids are well rounded and they're not getting in trouble. Um, you know, that's the most important thing. 
Um, I'm losing my train of thought here. Say that question again. I, I was just curious if like you had, you know, beliefs or principles that have, have kind of changed over the last few years based on everything that you've experienced. That's why I started on my parents. Um, my dad, my mom, they've always said like, you know, you put the work in, like I just said, you put the work in, you're honest. I think honesty is probably the biggest thing that I've been uh, raised on, but you put the work in honesty. Um, the rest will take care of itself. You know, you can't stress about that too much. I would say what I've learned in the past year is that, uh, as you guys can tell, like I'm a pretty motivated individual. You know, I work all day in the field and I come home and do raised on blacktop, but you really, I'm, my goal this year is to find a balance and you, you got to find a balance. You got to learn how to turn it off and sit back and kind of not only like appreciate what you've accomplished, um, but just be there present, right? We're going to Con Expo next, next month. Um, you know, I'm going to be on the influencer panel. We're going to be on the John Deere jum jumbotron. Um, those are things five years ago I was dreaming about. And here I am stressing about it because mm -hmm. I got a lot going on. And it's like, you go out there, you got to like appreciate what you've done. Right. All that hard work finally paid off. Yeah. And like, here I am stressing about it, but you know, I'm sure you guys run into that too. We just did that last week at the international builders show. We had like. <laughs> the biggest billboard space possible and our face is just plastered all over it. And I'm thinking, shit, we've got to be on a panel at this time. Like this is stressful. That's stressful. But it's like been three years ago. I went to that show and had no idea. Like, fuck, who is anybody here this year? We kind of like, we're the face of it. That's awesome though, man. Congrats on that. There's one thing that I, that I want to point out. I think the main reason why I respect, well, one, you, but two, just everything that you guys are doing with American Pavement and Raise on Blacktop, and, and I'm sure would, you can agree with this, but you guys are super driven. You want to leave a legacy, but you're also humble. Like, you're not arrogant about the journey. Like, you, you've already shared in the podcast that, you know, like admitting you don't have everything figured out, but at least I have a vision and I'm going to be executing on it. I think that is so key and like any leader in any industry is like, one, like, don't think it's all figured out yet and remain humble in the journey. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that I admire about you guys. Like, sure, the social media stuff is great. Lee Boy stuff, that opportunity is awesome. The John Deere, that's all great. But the, I think the main reason why I respect you guys is because you've been able to accomplish a lot, but you haven't let it get to your head. Bro, honestly, thank you for that because... um it's tough on social media when all these cool things are happening and you want to continue to share it, right? We just did a podcast, right? With Shane, my dad, got a bunch of fire clips and people are reposting it. You know, we're calling my dad to go and uh, yeah. saw that. And like, that's great. That's awesome. He is a legend. He does deserve everything. And like, we got a magazine the other day and we're on the cover of the magazine, sick cover story. And here I am like, Fuck, I don't want to share this on social media yet because it's like people are gassing this up so much. And it just look like you're bragging a whole bunch. Yeah, bro. But you're fucking proud. I know. It's like you don't want to dim your light. I mean, mm -hmm. that's kind of the beauty of, you know, having a business on social media is that, you know, you could post nonstop and you are promoting your business. You know, I'm not showing a Rolex watch and yeah, and all that stuff. You know, I am sharing my family business here, but um, I'm glad that, Breck, you said that, that we come off humble because 
I don't know for whatever reason, maybe it's my grandfather's humble beginnings, but um, always wanted to portray that because we truly are humble and I'm thankful uh, to the people that laid, paved the way, literally. Yeah. And uh, I'm just paving and, and paving the way for you know the next generation. So yeah, you, you're you're. You're, of course, man. You're 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 in touch with your roots, and I and I realize that just talking with you today, you, you think about that a lot. And I think, like you know, with with everything that I've learned about you so far, now it's more than ever to to keep the blinders on and not let the noise uh, take you too much off the track. Right. Exactly. Matt, before we wrap up all of our episodes, we do this thing called the Fast Five. It's five questions to be answered in a sentence or less. So number one, if you could go anywhere in the world right now, where are you going? I'm going to Miami next week. Boom. Number two, tell us one thing that most people don't know about you. Okay. This is supposed to be fast. One thing people don't know about me. Um, Again, I don't say this to be braggadocious, but raised on blacktop is 100% me. Uh, got enough to like... It's got a lot to do with American payment, but fully fund it. Uh, don't take in outside money. I think a lot of people think that um, the Raised on Blacktop brand is, of course, it's built by American payment. It's built off the social media following, but as far as finances go, like I take that all on the chin. Love it, man. Number three. I like it. Number three, if you could go back and tell the 15-year-old year you one thing, what would it be? Wax, you got it. You're gonna figure it out. I love that, man. Everything's gonna be all right. Number four, your one message to the next generation would be: shut up and hustle. <laughs> yes. Number five, I think you can kind of relate to this, but on every fifth question, we ask, "What does bread to build mean to you?" I think you can probably draw some parallels. And raised on blacktop, both have three words, but for the sake of the episode, Matt. What does bread to build mean to you? Raised on blacktop. There we go. One thing, bro, I would love to say this. Um, and I, I'd love to end on that high note, but I've noticed this as as more as my raised on blacktop brand has grown. Um, I've appreciated the construction. When you say bread to build, um, construction, like you always hear, like you get a sense of um, accomplishment when you finish a job. Branding mm-hmm. market never stops. Um, so this time of year, right, I'm in the off season, I'm doing like mostly raising on blacktop, Bro, I can't sleep at night right now, you know, um, shit like that, you know, during the summer when I'm working 12, 14 hours a day, yes, my body's tired, but like I sleep well, I eat good. Um, I feel good. You know, I just, that's been a lot on my mind lately. I just want to say this on this podcast. Like that is a real thing. The sense of accomplishment, the sense of my dad's big on this. I'm doing something hard every day right you know you're letting cheat rock you're building a house i'm building a road that's mentally hard it's physically hard um but that's good for you you know something to be said about that and i think we're, we're leaving that out like people talk about it but it's not stressed i see all these people like ice baths are big right now right they're working the fucking cold or, <laughs> yeah that's an ice bath <laughs> right i mean yeah that it is right you know you're not sluggish after that I promise you you can't be you're you're fucking cold man right 
you know, they tell you, I, I, I listen to a lot of Grant Cardone. I'm real into it right now. <laughs> he's been a little bit awesome. health hey. Have you seen the health too that, that he's been having on his podcast? Uh, which what's the guy's name? Do you remember his name? And everywhere, it's called Ten X Health. Okay, he's a mortality insurance agent, so you can test your blood and tell you what year, what month you're gonna die. Oh, I remember seeing this. Gary Brecca. There he is. Yep. Uh, so he's big on like the ice bath. He said that you gotta take oxygen and. Um, you know, if you if you get hooked up to oxygen flow and work out for ten minutes in the morning, you know that'll do wonders for you. And I'm thinking like, bro, go outside and fucking do some construction. Like that's the same yeah. date. Yeah, you know, obviously, straight oxygen is better than that. But like being outside, being in elements, uh, there's something to be said about that. So that's that's been on my mind. What's funny is I was like I was saying I was just at the, the International Builders Show last week. And I'm with this group of six six little framers. They're from Colorado. All of them are under 23. And I asked one of them, we're on like day two. I was like, you having fun at the show? Get away from work for a little bit? And he's all, yeah, but you know, I'm 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 excited to get back to it on Monday. Like I'm 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 really looking forward to that. And I'm like, we're in Vegas. Everybody's just partying and having a good time. And this kid's like waiting for the days to go by to get back in the field and work. Like that. that that's a dedication and like he cares more about that craft than anything so that's awesome i just ordered um one of your black hoodies a lot of your shit is sold out but yeah i've got a really nice black hoodie coming speak go with the truck on the back um no let me see it was um raised a blacktop company hoodie so it's got i don't know if it has anything on the back it's just printed on the front right i'll i'll jump with you it's beautiful i love it Matt, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Before we let you off the hook, we got to ask, where can people find and connect with you? At American Pavement, at Raised on Blacktop. At this point, just type it in Google and you'll find this. Boom. Updating the website. That's as you should be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Is there anything that you'd like to drop that we didn't touch on the podcast before we let you go? Just that, that anybody outside the industry, I know um, if anyone's going to be at Con Expo, we're going to be doing a few events. If you follow us, we're going to be posting this events. Um, come to the event that we're going to do. Um, it's just meetups. We're going to give away free hats. Um, I want to meet as many people as I can. Um, and if you want to get in the social media space, feel free to come up to me, ask questions. If you want to meet my dad, shake his hand. You know, these are our people. You know, so I want to meet everybody I could there. And selfishly, it looks good on the manufacturers if a lot of people come. So I'll be there. <laughs> See you at work. Guys, thanks for listening to another episode of the Bread to Build podcast. If you like this episode, you like what we're doing, or if you just learned something new, drop us an awesome review. Uh, if you have any ideas for topics or guests, feel free to DM, uh, DM us on Instagram, Bread to Build podcast. You can also find me at We Are Hammer and at Brett Going on Instagram. Matt, oh, sure you're, Wood. You're, you're, you want to share your LinkedIn and like your personal Facebook too while you're at it? No, I'm not not really big on the personal Facebook, so we can pass on that. Okay. Mr. Wood. You can find me on all social platforms at Matt Bangs Wood. We will see you next time on the Bread to Build podcast. Oh, hey.